Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. The world of being a healer uh, is small, but also quite large. And when you meet someone who actually shares a lot of the same principles as you, you can't help but want to spend time and get to know them a little bit more and share their knowledge with the world. And today's guest is someone very special. We got linked up through uh, just the, uh, randomly and he has this amazing book that which he's going to tell you about, but we're going to go into his principles about creating transformation and his entire idea on stress. And so today's guest is Christopher Lee Maher, and he is a former Navy SEAL who endured physical stress and trauma as a result of his training and conditioning during and after his military career then exacerbated that damage by attempting to fulfill his Olympic dream. He studied traditional Chinese medicine practices at the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and Yosan University. He has also continued his studies at the University uh, Universal Healing Tao System and is a student of Grandmaster Mantak Chia at the Universal Tao Master School in Chiang Mai, Thailand. He is currently pursuing his master's and doctorate degrees in traditional Chinese medicine he has taught himself how to free his body, brain, and nervous system from disease by distinguishing between the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual aspects of being. Today, he travels the world teaching others to find the same freedom for themselves. And he is the creator of the True Body Intelligence System, and he is the proud author of Free for Life. And here I have him uh christopher thank you so much for being on today's episode how are you doing this morning i'm doing great i I got back from i got up early this morning and i I drove to west hollywood where i had one of my buddies do a little bit of body work and energy work on me because i like to tune myself up at least three or four days a week to keep moving forward and then i sort of rushed back here got here on time in order to be sitting here ready to share and to be in your presence. So I'm happy to be here. Uh, if you're a listener, uh, you know, sit back. You prob might be a good idea to listen to this podcast three or four times because I'm going to use language that's outside of what you reference. I love that. And I'm so appreciative. I know that the traffic down in Southern California can be tough. So for you to make it back to make this happen, I'm, I'm so thankful so Christopher, let's let's really get into it. Let's talk about one of the biggest things. Um, and what I've noticed is that when I'm working with people who are experiencing pain, chronic sciatica pain, they're dealing with a lot of different factors and what we categorize as this term of stress. And so Christopher, could you tell us a little bit more about what your definition of stress is so that we can all be on the same page? Yeah. uh, Stress for me is what is unresolved in a 24-hour period by your sleep. So we have positive stressors and negative stressors. And when you go to sleep, when you wake up the next morning, if your restore, repair, and recovery rate is high, then what's going to happen is you're going to recover from those positive and negative stressors. 
and you're going to wake up the next day and you're going to feel great. The challenge is, is that most people, when they wake up, they don't feel that way, right? They're looking for a cup of joe. They're looking to exercise anything to turn on the motor, right? So stress for me is anything that is beyond your capacity to process effectively at an emotional, at an energetic, at a psychological, at a physical level in a 24-hour period. And so we're looking at this 24-hour period and having uh, the ability to process it um, in between our sleep cycles or during our sleep cycles in between that. And yep. so you brought up this concept of good and bad stressors. And so tell us a little bit more about what what those are and what what are those things that we would see that we can c- classify as, as good and bad stress? Okay. So think about it like this. Uh Let's say you get a warm, uh, loving hug from your mom or from your girlfriend or some powerful recognition from your brother or your dad or, or coworker. That's positive stress, right? Uh, you go to work, you work for eight, to 10 hours and you're adding good value to other people's lives. That's, that's positive stress, right? Uh, you get up and you're exercising within your own physical limitations, right? That's, that's positive stress, okay? Negative stress would be anything that's in the opposite direction to that, meaning you've gone beyond your threshold to repair what you've experienced in a 24-hour period. So now you go to work, you're adding good value to people's lives, and you miss lunch, right? You miss dinner because you're behind on a project and you work 16 hours that day and you've had very little to drink, And suddenly, you put your body in a high-stress state. Because in order for your body to function really well, you need to be, in one, in a positive environment. Two, you need to be able to nourish it in a really good way. And then you need a break in order to process everything that you're experiencing. And so, if we're looking at the general themes of stress, um, would you agree? Cause like I look at it from a stress standpoint is like, we have two different pieces, which allows us to either break things down or to build things up. And it's something that we need to do in order for us to be able to improve. But if we break ourselves down way beyond our capacity to recover and build up, that's where we start to experience those problems that remain unresolved. Yeah, for sure. And what happens is when you when you have stressors that are greater than your ability to process emotionally or energetically, eventually and psychologically, what eventually happens is you it locks you into what I call the protective mode, right? And so you shift out of being receptive, you shift out of a flow state. And now you're in a protected state. Well, when you're in a protected state, you're in fight or flight, right? Freeze or fawn. And now that conversation that you're having with your wife that night about where you're going to go for vacation turns into an argument instead of an inspirational conversation and excitement, right? And so when you refuse or avoid right? Getting a good night's sleep, 
hydrating yourself properly, eating really good food, what you're saying is I'm choosing to grow through negative benefit. And negative benefit is the response that's created by your actions. If those responses are positive, they make you feel better about your relationships, they make you feel better about your life trajectory, they make you feel better about your mood, okay? They make you feel better about your ambitions. This is wonderful. This is positive stress. But the moment that you go over that line, then what's going to happen, there's going to be diminishing returns, right? And then you're going to get locked into managing your stress with negative management tools, right? What's a negative management tool? Yelling. What's a negative management tool? Excessive exercise. What's a negative management tool? Alcohol. What's a negative management tool? Marijuana. What's a negative management tool? Caffeine, nicotine, food coloring, preservatives. Because we move towards those substances, we move towards those behaviors when we're in a high stress state, right? Meaning that the 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 daily accumulated stress from Monday has now worked its way into Friday. And then by the time Friday comes, I feel like I need to go out and participate in self-defeating substances that diminish, right? One, they numb me out. Now that I'm numb, I don't have to feel the stress that I'm in. And it allows me to continue to make poor choices, right? And so negative stress management tools are limiting because they only reinforce your inability to restore, repair, and recover. And when your restore, repair, and recovery rate is low, your now daily accumulated stress load is high, and it actually increases your lifetime accumulated stress load. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the sciatica protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. It is simple to start, and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. And so you brought up this concept. It's like these, these levels of stress and the types of stress that there are. Um, a lot of people will classify that under this concept of stress management, but in your book, one of the things that I really enjoyed when, when I came across it was this concept of de-stressing. Right. And right. so um, what's really cool is that, um, well, from other books that I've read and seeing a lot about stress management modalities out there, I've gathered that most ma- uh, stress management techniques are really just more so addressing the stress at the surface level. Um, For sure. Rather than addressing like the deeper rooted causes uh, of stress. And so that was, that was uh, a big point that you wrote earlier in your book that I was like, okay, I, I want to read more because that was something that I found to be uh, really amazing. So um, you talk about this concept in the book about how we have our external stresses, which is like the things that happen in work 
But you brought up a really interesting point about the stresses accumulated through our generations and our ancestry and how that can actually play in to that. So can you elaborate a little bit more about how in some cases we can inherit the stresses from our family? Yeah, so um, I'm going to go, I'm going to take a half step back and then uh, bring us forward and tie, tie all this together. So there's three categories. There's stress ignorance, okay, which is where most humans are, right? Because fundamentally, the way that the world is set up is people rarely have time to think and feel into the impact that their daily life and strategies and systems and organization is having on them, okay? And so we have that category. Now we have the category of the listeners that are listening to this podcast, right? They're at least aware that there is this concept called stress, right? And so now they get to shift into stress management, all right. So stress management would be there's positive stress management tools, meditation, yoga, uh, exercise, uh, clear communication, authentic honesty, authentic self-expression. Um, sleep, good food, nutrition. These are positive stress management tools. Right. And you got negative stress management tools, which I went over a little bit earlier, which would be substance. Right. And people, here's the key to understand people are going to choose a substance relative to the type of stress that they're under. Right. So when I worked in New York City with people, I worked with a lot of people on Wall Street. Of course, guess what their stress management tool was? Cocaine and prostitution. All right. Because they're in a high stress job, they're under constant pressure to make more resources. Right. And then they have more resources than they can actually manage with their life in terms of their level of development. Okay. Other industries, right? You're going to see different stress management tools. Okay. And so either you can grow and manage yourself with positive or negative stress management tools. But again, to, to, to bring up the point that you were talking about, none of that will ever resolve your generational stress, right? Your generational stress is your lifetime accumulated stress. You can use these negative stress management tools to numb yourself out so you can get to the next day and perform, all right? But there's a very big difference between being and doing. And when you're in doing, people are more susceptible to and attracted to and vulnerable to negative stress management tools, again, what I call the daily drugs, nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, marijuana, pharmaceutical drugs, recreational drugs, food colorings, preservatives, um, pornography, prostitution, um, dishonesty, um, emotional manipulation. All of these are strategies, okay? So... When you're in being, okay, in a state of being, you're more focused on positive stress management tools because your focus is, how can I be a better person? What, what is, how, how, how can I be a better mother? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better teacher? Okay, how can I be a better athlete? 
if you're under the illusion that you can use negative stress management tools and become a better son, a better daughter, a better husband, a better wife, a better teacher, a better coach, a better athlete, you're living in fantasy, right? And the reason for that is negative stress management tools keep you numbed out. So when you're numbed out, you're in fantasy. When you're in fantasy, you make poor choices, right? So if you only have so much time on the planet, you only have so much energy, right? You only have so many opportunities. Would it be a more prudent choice to shift into positive stress management tools and slowly move yourself away from negative stress management tools. And the reason for this is this. You talked about the generational stress, okay? Generational stress is created by and the environment that you're raised in plus your parents' unconscious and subconscious stress patterns. So from womb to 13, children are unconsciously in subconsciously modeling their unconscious subconscious stress patterns of the parents what does that mean that means your mom and dad's inner deficiencies their insecurities their internal fears and their limiting beliefs right you're mimicking that from womb until 13 so this is now your lifetime accumulated stress once you turn 13, the charge on the water molecules changes in your cells from negative, which means a receptive vessel, into positive, which is an, initi an initiating agent, okay? When you're now, when you become an initiating agent, that means that you're moving through the world and you're making choices, and these choices are having an effect on you. And the big choices that you're making are, who am I relating with? What kind of food am I eating? What am I drinking? What, what am I doing for exercise? And what are my activities? Okay. So when your lifetime accumulated stress load is low, right? And you're getting those, those daily hugs, you're getting that powerful positive recognition in your family household. Guess what you choose? You choose behaviors and you also choose food and substances that mimic, model, are reflective and relative to the environment that you were raised in, right? So you are being trained to maintain a low daily stress load. You're going to bed before you're tired, right? You're eating good, nutritious food. You're drinking good, healthy, nutritious beverages. You're communicating clearly. Uh, to your own benefit, you're being as honest as you can, letting people in on how they're impacting you, and you're clear on your objectives, on what you want to experience, and you're willing to make those contributions to your life in order to get there, right? So when we look at the lifetime accumulated stress loads, and again, your lifetime accumulated stress is your genetic an epigenetic predisposition, what your parents handed off to you, okay, plus the environment that you were raised in, okay, the culture you were raised in, the community you were raised in, and the religion that you were reared under, right? All of those have impacts on you. And so the lifetime accumulated stress load, when it's super high, 
okay? The restore, repair, and recovery rate is super low. When it's super low, people are then forced to choose negative stress management tools. Yeah, that I love that. And I appreciate you being able to walk us through that. I think a lot of people can experience these challenges. And, and the challenges, as you said, when you have the high accumulated stress, the low recovery, you have a tendency to, to gravitate towards more of those negative coping mechanisms because it's kind of like we were the, the, the world and environment was kind of training us to do so. And as you were telling me this, and as I was reading in your book, it made me reflect on, on how I deal with stress and what I like, how I even like view the world or how I even manage myself. And I found that one of the big things, like when you have, when your accumulated stress is low, you have actually a much wider view of, of the world and how you can react. And this is something that happened back in 2020 for me, where as I evolved from uh, being an in-person business owner to being more of a remote business owner and seeing all the stresses that happened with that business, when I released myself from that business by closing it down, I actually ended up having a huge weight lift off my shoulders, but it gave me an opportunity to see what is this direction? What are the other opportunities in front of me? And so I, I really appreciated that. And I, I, when I read that in your book, and as you said that, I was, I was saying, yes, 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 um, because I was able to truly experience that. And I think um, for some people, um, there, there's this concept, there's a saying where uh, a, healthy, a healthy human has a, a thousand dreams, but an unhealthy or sick person only has one dream. And all they want to do is just get healthy and get better. And in a way, when you're experiencing pain, sickness, disease, or high stress, you're kind of having these blinders put on you because all you're trying to do is just survive and just try to try to get through these things, which then perpetuates these negative behaviors that makes the recovery so much challenging. And so when you allow yourself an opportunity to de-stress, rest, and recover, uh, you have the opportunity to explore and see what the the amazing world that you you have about. And so, um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about like the techniques that you end up using. But one thing that uh, another thing that really resonated that you said uh, when we first met was this concept of being independent, reducing this codependency aspect because as practitioners and i think we talked about when we first met i said and you listeners out there i said my job is to make it so that you don't need me anymore i want to give you the tools and the necessary action steps so that you don't ever have to see me again because i've done my job correctly and so throughout your entire recovery journey as you were overcoming injury after injury uh you met this really special man uh roberto Right. And so one point during your weekend working with Roberto, you actually talked about the challenges you had in regards to the, the practitioner patient relationship. And I loved it. So it's this concept of dependency or codependency. And to you, why do you feel it's so important for people to be the co-creator uh, in themselves? And in how I see it, building independence and absolved dependency uh, from you. Yeah. Uh, the thing about me is I'm allergic to codependent, dependent relationships because I know that they disempower the client. 
right? And so how do you build inner self-esteem, right? That's the key. Like if you look at anyone who's achieved anything worth achieving in the world, there's one thing that they have in common. They have a high level of inner self-esteem. How do you build inner self-esteem? That means you're taking heartfelt action to your own positive benefit, right? So if I treat you or give you a therapy and you walk out and you feel great <clears throat> and yet I refused to teach you how to do that to yourself, I am now making you, putting you, putting us in a codependent, dependent dynamic. And at some point, you're going to feel like you need me in order to feel good, right? And um, in the Bible, and just so you understand, there's no espousing religion here, but there's this very powerful statement that stuck with me. I was raised in a boarding school, and we and I was raised in a non-denominational uh, Christian church, right? And one of the things that I always remember is God helps those who help themselves. That always rung very, very strong for me. And it crystallized in my mind. And then as I started working with people, I started to understand because I started watching. Uh, I had a business partner at one point, and we grew a lot of these techniques together. The difference between the people that he was working with is he was building a codependent, dependent relationship, and they were solely relying on him. And my people were advancing so much faster because I was teaching them how to do the work on themselves, right? Now, when I teach you to do the work on yourself, you're building inner self-esteem, right? There's outer self-esteem, which is what you do for someone else to their positive benefit. That's outer self-esteem. I'm very good at that. I'm like a billionaire when it comes to that, okay? Uh, but the thing that I realized is I had to learn how to motivate them to build inner self-esteem and my decision was i would teach them and i had a and my teacher grandmaster montakchi says no you don't want clients ever you want students because when you have students you can teach them how to take care of themselves and then eventually they find some semblance of balance and they know that hey if i have this discomfort or i had a poor night's sleep or my, just, my digestion wasn't so great, or I'm constipated, or God, I'm having this headache again, they can step in and take heartfelt action to their own benefit. And once they do that, and they get the result that they wanted, meaning the headache reduces, uh, the menstrual cramps become more comfortable, uh, their energy increases, their, their sleep is deeper. They wake up feeling more rested. Their digestion is better. The bloating has resolved and they're able to eliminate in a comfortable fashion. Then guess what happens? They do more because they can see the result. And so I look at myself as someone that if I'm going to be the captain of the ship, then the ship that I'm driving, right? The train that I'm leading is one that gets people to take responsibility for the things that they've created, right? Every soul chooses the body that they go into. 
So if your parents handed you a very complex uh, genetic and epigenetic disposition that's caused you to have some malalignments and some discomfort and pain in your life, well, guess what? It's still your responsibility. And then once you start to make these choices, once you get the information, right? Like knowledge is power. And you talked about this earlier, but applied knowledge is power, right? Knowledge is powerful, but it's not power. It only becomes power once you take take heartfelt action to your own benefit and the benefit of someone else. And so inner self-esteem is the most important thing because the people that I work with, we have an interdependent relationship. Interdependence is wonderful because it helps resolve hyper-independence and it also helps resolve codependence and dependency, right? So people swing on other side of that line. My job is to get them to the middle and understand the value of having an interdependent relationship. I love that. And if I look at it from uh, just from my angle as a, as a physical therapist and even from like a musculoskeletal standpoint, we'll be able to, t- to dig a little bit deeper in a little bit, but uh, let's just say, for example, uh, muscular function, muscular function, we have a baseline, like we have normal muscular function. In some cases, muscles can be hyperactive. And in some cases, muscles can be underactive. And so as a practitioner, our jobs is to either make that hyperactive muscle go back to baseline or make that underactive muscle go back to baseline. And so that is, uh, that is another analogy in regards to how I see it. And I, and I'm totally vibing with it. And I totally agree. And so you can, uh, and then from there discussing when it comes to creating this interdependence, uh, there has to be a huge shift in someone's, uh, mindset in regards to how they, um, are in the world. I think, we live in a society where it's really easy for us to, uh, it's this concept. And I think you wrote in your book, it's this concept of martyrdom, the, 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 the person where you're putting yourself to take care of others. And I see this in parents a lot where they're doing everything they can to take care of their kid. And I do believe that that's important, but also at the expense of their own health and their own stress, which results in the fact that they lead into these negative stress uh, management strategies. And so, um, like when it comes to, well, one, actually, no, I wrote that down just to tell you that I agreed with that. (laughs) Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's huge to be able to have that mindset shift. So what do you, like when someone says, I'm so used to putting others before me and not taking even care of myself, what are some strategies that you recommend or tell some folks who are so used to being in that cycle of putting others before them at their own detriment. Yeah. I mean, usually I give them um, an analogy or a metaphor, right. Or an example of a tank, right. And imagine that tank. And I, I ripped this off of a, a book called uh, what's the book. The five love languages, right? In the beginning of the book, there's this picture and it has a tank and it shows one little drop left and it's called your love tank. And part of this that's gone on has been based on misinformation, right? And and what I mean by that is, you know, in the United States, we live in a Christian culture, 
right? In the Christian culture, you know, their their ascended one is named Jesus. And you go to church, and I was a little kid, and we're in church, and they're always saying, Jesus sacrificed himself so that we could have a good life, right? And I started thinking about that more again and again and again and again. And it's something to me always felt off. And I thought, Jesus never sacrificed himself. Jesus was making a contribution. And when you understand that he was contributing his life by the way that he was living through examples, okay? So so the parents that are sacrificing themselves for the benefit of their children, they need to shift their language, right? You need to realize that you are contributing to the benefit and the growth of your child's life. And you can tell your children all the things that you want and you can do a bunch of things for them. But at the end of the day, it's the way that you've been living your life that's informing them the most on how their life should be lived. And so these kids are going to grow up and do the same things that their parents do. And they're going to end up with negative stress management tools. That's why we have organizations like AA, right? That's why we have organizations to deal with codependency like Al-Anon. Like these organizations exist because the model that parents are teaching children falls flat on its face in every direction that you look, okay? When you find parents that eat healthy, teach their children how to take care of their bodies um, through exercise, good nutrition, there's clear communication. A parent gives the child space enough to figure out who they are. The parent is honest at an emotional level. Then guess what? The child is going to make good, positive choices because they're going to see And then they're going to attract a partner that does a similar thing because they're going to go to school and be like, oh, I like Jack. Jack's so nice. He's so funny. But God, Jack drinks all the time and Jack smokes all the time. Hmm. I wonder if we go behind Jack's door at home, what are we going to see at home? We're going to see parents have poor communication skills, right? We're going to see excessive amounts of control, right? We're going to see different levels of abuse. We're going to see emotional negligence. We're going to see all these things that build massive amounts of distress in someone's system. And so if you're a parent and you're listening, what's the first step for you? Really, if we're really being out, what's the first step for you? Honesty. Go look in the mirror. Have a one-to-one conversation with you. And ask yourself, what do I need to change about me? Where do I need to invest in myself so that my children don't end up where I'm at? Giving children things, putting them in better colleges, giving them better opportunities, and then you living the exact opposite lifestyle isn't going to get your kids where they really want to go because after they have that thing that they achieved, they're going to fall right back into this managing their life with the negative stress patterns that you do, right? They're going to choose the same negative stress tools and strategies. So in essence, you're kind of holding up a mirror to be able to say like, look at yourself and like, here's this, be honest with yourself with 
what is yeah. going on. And um, I love the fact that you brought this concept of like the love tank. Um, and oftentimes when I tell, and I have this discussion with my wife and also um, with other people about this concept of how do we break free from that martyrdom uh, mentality. And um, I actually learned this analogy from uh, my business mentor, Chris Cooper, and he was talking about this concept of eating the sandwich. And it started off with the story where you have this airline, it's a 24 hour flight, and this airline takes off. And the flight attendants, they realize that they actually didn't even stock any food in the airplane. And so the entire flight crew is freaking out, trying to figure out what's going on. And it turns out that only one person on that flight has a sandwich. And the entire flight, including the flight crew and the, the cabin members, are trying to figure out, well, who's going to eat the sandwich? And um, Christopher, I'm going to ask, who do you think should eat the sandwich on that flight, on that 24-hour well, flight? Well, probably the pilot. Exactly. It's the pilot. And so the reality is that you, listeners, are the, the pilot of your own life and that you need to eat the sandwich because whether like if you are taking passengers, if you're raising kids, if you're managing a company, you need to be able to take care of yourself so then everything else can fall suit. And that is where we're going to be able to break free. And the fact that I've read about breaking free from the martyrdom aspect and mindset from your book, Christopher, I had to bring that up and I loved it because I think it is important for people to recognize that before problems really do become an issue or become too big of an issue, it is important to eat your sandwich, fill your love tank, take care of yourself, build up that uh, what the inner self self-esteem, which I love, which is which is so great. And so you know a lot of what we're talking about is, trying to implement strategies to be able to uh, de-stress, transition from negative stress management strategies to the positive stress management strategies. And you said that we're often put in a pattern based on our environment, based on the stresses that we're experiencing. And you brought up this concept of pattern interruption, where we need to disrupt these patterns of behaviors that got us into these situations in the first place. And so you briefly talked about it, like one is holding up the mirror, being able to like rec even just recognizing that the current strategies that you're doing are not helping you. And so what's another, what are, what are a couple other pattern disruptors to help us say like, okay, it's time for us to change trajectory on, on what we're doing. Okay. So the first thing that I think is important for the listener is you need to understand how you get, how you got to pain. Right. So pain can be emotional pain, right? Pain can be energetic, meaning when I say energetic, you have no energy. Your energy is inconsistent, right? You can have psychological pain. Okay. Your mind's overactive. It's fixated on things it doesn't need to be. Uh, you're addicted to all those kinds of challenges. And you can have physical pain, right? You've got a back that's stiff. You got knees that are stiff. You got a neck that only turns, you know, 20 degrees to the left. Uh, you have poor sleep habits, you have swelling around your ankles, uh, you've got bloating in your gut, right? All of these are stress. I mean, all of these are examples of pain, okay, and discomfort. So the question is, how do we get here, right? This, this of all the things that we're talking about, for me, I feel like this is the most important. 
unresolved stress, right? How, 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 how did you get there? So from womb to seven, a child's mind is in what's called a precognitive state of function, which means it doesn't understand context, right? It knows there's presence under the tree, right? And in fact, children are in such a state at seven, eight, nine years old, they honestly believe, okay, that a fat man in a red and white suit is coming down their chimney to eat mama's cookies and drink her milk and put presents underneath the tree. Children do not understand context. They live in fantasy. So when you're in a precognitive state, you're in fantasy. What does that mean? That means you don't understand reality. Okay. So imagine yourself or any one of the listeners, imagine yourself from womb to seven, you don't understand reality and you're making up ideas about the things that you're experiencing that are completely outside of being rational. So a precognitive mind is an irrational mind. Now you have an experience with your irrational mind that's beyond your capacity to process. And in that moment, that first moment that that happens, you start shifting towards fight or flight and you start creating what I call a winning strategy, right? Well, what's your winning strategy? Your winning strategy is the strategy that you employ to avoid punishment, rejection, humiliation, violence, discomfort, pain, and the threat of death, okay? Once you employ that, your brain, one hemisphere, turns off electrically. And now you've shifted into a lateralized state of electrical brain function. When that happens, your body simultaneously starts to absorb massive amounts of physical tension relative to the stress state that you're stuck in and other people choose different stress states some people choose to fight some people choose to run away some people choose to fawn some people choose to freeze okay and whatever one you use and whatever one you're avoiding feeling is creating massive amounts of distress the distress manifests as physical tension Physical tension then generates structural distortion, right? This is perfect for, for a physical therapist, right? It then creates structural distortion. That structural distortion also, because the emotional body and the physical body can never, ever be separated, that physical distortion creates emotional and psychological distortion as well. So now the person is looking at reality through an irrational perspective. And the more you look at reality through an irrational perspective, and the, and the deeper you are locked into that fight or flight, freeze or fawn state, the more distortion you get. Well, once you're in a certain level of distortion, you have intermittent or chronic pain. So what, what might that be for a child? He might wet the bed, right? He might have, he might stammer or stutter, right? He may uh, have difficulty focusing. Called a, they would call that ADHD, right? He may have nightmares, right? She may um, 
be over addicted to sweets and sugar, right? He may, he or she may be too rough with their pet, right? Uh, the child may be impossible to get them up in the morning to get to school on time, right? These are all signs that you can easily see that my child is in a continuous stress state. Well, as they get older, guess what? Those intermittent things, they turn into chronic behaviors. And so those chronic behaviors are expressed as emotional, physical, energetic, or psychological pain. And then before you know it, I was recently in, in Iceland. And I was buying a gift uh, for a loved one. And I was in the store and I was uh, asking, how do they manage their stress here? And the young lady informed me that by the time they're 15, the average child in Iceland is on pharmaceuticals. They're on some level of antidepressant at 15. Wow. Okay. So, so this, this is an example that I'm giving. Yes. Is it an extreme example? Yes. But for the listener, uh, it should get you to go, whoa, let me step back a half step and realize that I'm on a planet that is operating from a massive amount of unresolved stress. And how do I fit into this place? How, how, how do I find a lane where I can function and feel good all the time? How do I find a lane where my body's comfortable, my mind is quiet, my emotions are grounded, and my energy is abundant? Well, this is what you're asking for, right? How do we give you tools? How do we give you access to tools that allow you to have a comfortable body 100% of the day, a quiet mind 100% of the day, grounded positive emotions 100% of the day, and abundant amounts of energy 100% of the day. Well, the first step and the first tool is the one that you have with you every single day. It's your breath. The moment you feel a slightest bit of anxiety, what should you do? Raise your breath. Breathe deeper and breathe longer or faster find out which one works for you best and as soon as you do you're going to start to feel an immediate reduction in your stress load that's the simplest easiest thing that you can do if you if you want to get after now that's daily stress okay that's your daily accumulated stress load okay but if you want to deal with what I would call your lifetime accumulated stress load, what we're talking about is stress resolution. And this is what you were pointing out earlier in the book when you said de-stressing. As I said, there's three lanes, stress ignorant, stress management, which you can do either positively or negatively, and then there's stress resolution. Stress resolution, I basically own the entire market share. And why I say that is because the tools that are out there in stress management, it's all at the surface. When you talk about stress resolution, you need big forces, right? You need systems like Ma Xing. You need systems like ICE 
centric strength. You need an exercise program like best exercise, right? You need to get into body of lights and creating powerful transmutations and attunements, right? At a generational and a daily level so that when you wake up, your energy is high, your body's comfortable, your mind is quiet, and your emotions are grounded. And if you can achieve that state 28 days in a row, imagine how much your life would change. Imagine how much all the lives would change that you have influence over, right? All nervous systems vibrate to the highest functioning nervous system in a collective field. What does that mean? That means when you're in alignment and your mind is quiet and your emotions are grounded and your energy is abundant and your body's comfortable, all those who share space with you get access to the same opportunities because they align to you, right? They align to where you're at. So what's the obvious answer for your listeners, the listeners here today? The obvious answer is go to the mirror, have an honest conversation with yourself. Look yourself deep into the eyes, look into your soul and ask, am I willing to do whatever it takes in order to feel comfortable in my body, quiet in my mind, grounded in my emotions, and abundant in my energy? And if the answer is yes, then the obvious first step you would take is you would go and read my book, right? Free for Life, a U.S. Navy SEAL's path to inner freedom and outer peace. That would be the first step because you need to understand the systems that are in there. And then you would get access to, to, to someone like us. So we can help you start to remove the massive amount of accumulated tension that's in your body, brain, and nervous system. And once you reduce that by even 10%, your addiction to negative stress management tools lessens immediately like i get it look a lot of people they don't have someone like you or me in their life so they got to do they got to use what's available to them like my mom is from shenandoah pennsylvania right and i was there recently with my brother we went to see see my aunt joanna she's in a hospital and we went up to visit our mom and grandmother's grave right so i'm i'm i go to uh, the middle of the town that evening and they're having a bazaar, right? And I'm looking at the quality of the food. It's poor. I'm looking at the beverages that they're drinking. It's poor. And I can tell that everyone there is locked into a high inappropriate stress state. High inappropriate stress state. And so I feel fortunate that I was able to get out of there and I hope that, you know, 20 or 30 years from now, people that live in a town like that, a small town where there's very little opportunity, have an opportunity to at least feel comfortable in their bodies, quiet in their minds, um, grounded in their emotions, and abundant in their energy. Because they're good people, right? All our brothers and sisters here, they're good people. I want to see people flourish. But in order for people to flourish, they have to be willing to have an honest conversation with themselves.
And they've got to be willing to breathe relative to what they're feeling. If you're feeling anxious, breathe. If you're feeling angry, breathe. If your mind's running too fast, breathe. If your emotions are coming ungrounded, breathe. If you're feeling uncomfortable in your body, breathe. Sit down. Take 30 to 60 seconds. Take some deep breaths. Take some long breaths. Slow everything down. Quiet everything down. And then proceed. Move forward. Interrupt the pattern. Right As it starts escalating, interrupt it immediately. And as you keep interrupting it, your brain is going to recognize right into a different state of function. And that's going to be a very powerful moment for you. If, what you're, if you're a listener on a call and you're looking for something bigger than that, right? rather than stress management, you're actually looking for stress resolution, you got to find me. Right? And there's tools. They're available. They're there. You can implement them. You can benefit from them. They will change the game. I want comfortable digestion. I want easy elimination. I want to be able to sleep four or five hours, wake up and feel like Superman. Okay. I want to be engaged intensely in my life. Right. I want to feel comfortable in my body. I want to feel abundant and energetic. I want to feel inspired and I want to inspire. And that requires a little bit of devotion. And the program that I built takes about 15 to 20 minutes a day. And if you're willing to put that time in, you're going to get exponential change in all facets of your life if you're willing to love yourself. How do you love yourself? How do you build your self-esteem? You get up and you implement positive stress management tools while simultaneously reducing your lifetime accumulated stress load through stress resolution tools. In order for you to maximize your potential, you have to do both because the stressors that we live with on this planet are dynamic and complex. I love that, Christopher. I think the listeners are, I know that I myself am truly thankful for the time that you spent sharing your knowledge um, with with everyone. Um, I know that it's also very key, um, just like Christopher said, listeners, that it's important for you to be honest with yourself and identify what needs to be done to make changes. And so the link to Christopher's book is actually going to be found in the show notes. Um, I highly recommend it. I just finished it this week and I could couldn't even put it down. I finished it in one sitting and uh, Christopher really knows his stuff. So uh, Christopher, if I may, can you tell um, the listeners how they can get in touch with you um, if okay. they have questions or want to work? Perfect. So it's easy. Uh, what you do is you go to truebodyintelligence.com. We have a, a support place where you can send an email. Uh, Christina, We'll get back to you and she'll send you a one sheet. And in the one sheet, it basically says, look, these are the steps you need to take if you want to be able to have a conversation with Christopher. And read the book. I have been to the studio. So now the book has an audio version. If you're not into reading and you're into listening, great. You can listen to this on your way to work. You can listen to it when you're at the gym. Like, listen to it a minimum of three times, okay? So, again, go to truebodyintelligence.com. Also, 
anyone who's a listener here, we have some some freebies. Like you can go there and I'll teach you a best exercise that has to do with the large intestine, which is all about good, smooth elimination and reducing the excessive fixation in the mind. And it will reduce the amount of stress and tension that you feel in your head, neck and shoulders. And it's a 28 day program. It takes you like literally five minutes. There's an eight stepping stone that you can listen to where I give you powerful education. There's probably a chapter from the, I mean, there's a lot of freebies there. Okay. So there's a free gift box that you can get into in the membership portal. It's free. If you care about yourself enough to listen, then take heartfelt action to your own benefit and use these free tools that are there to start to already move some of this excessive amount of tension and stress that's living in your body, your brain, and your nervous system. I want you to be happy. I want you to get positive benefit from your life. Christopher wants that for you. I want that for you. And you are absolutely deserving of living your best life. So Christopher, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure to be here. It's been a pleasure to share. Um, And again, truebodyintelligence.com, get in contact with me, find a way, read the book. You'll know how much you love yourself based on whether or not you take action, right? I've laid out the path. It's very clear. It's foolproof. It's repeatable. It's verifiable. It's scientific. Put the time in, put the energy in, put any effort. You're going to reap the reward and you deserve it 1000%. You deserve to have a comfortable body a quiet mind, grounded emotions, and abundant, consistent energy. You deserve it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.